you're still working a full-time job at this point, right? Yes. So yeah. both my husband and I were working full-time 40, 50 hour weeks. We were looking for and managing our rentals on the weekends. And then I was writing my books in the evenings. And this okay. went on for about two solid years. We were like totally burnt out. But yeah, that's, you know, that brings me to a, a great point, Mike, is that I hate when entrepreneurs or investors are given the advice of, oh, just take a leap of faith and the net will appear. Yeah. It's like, no, please don't do that. Okay. There's yeah. a way, if there's a will, there's a way you can do this in your free time on the yeah. weekends on the side and wait until you have enough money to at least offset some of your expenses before you go and quit your full-time job. Yep. Because the last thing you want to do is be operating from a place of panic and desperation. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I appreciate it. I know there's lots of things you could be doing right now with your time and you're here. So that's awesome. And I thank you for that. If you're new to the show, welcome. We hope we meet all of your expectations and that you decide to subscribe to the show. And if you're a longtime listener, thank you for that. I appreciate your support as always. All right, guys, I've got a good one for you today. And I, I know I say that a lot and I do mean it every time I say it because I only bring good guests on. However, today is a little bit different because I'm bringing on someone who is a former real estate investor and she's only 27 years old and she's financially free and essentially retired. She does whatever she wants, when she wants. She can pursue other passions and other things that interest her. And she has been able to basically do exactly what a retiree does. Just spend the time the way they want and how they want. And she did it by 27 through real estate and is now officially retired, no longer actively investing, which is just, you know, a lot of us hear that and they go, well, you're 27 and you're financially free. Why not ramp it up, right? That's not everyone's goal. And we talk about that on the show from time to time. Some people have a goal. I want to like make a certain amount of money or have a certain amount of passive income through rentals or whatever it is. And then I just want to be able to do what I want to do. And they don't get that like, you know, they see that they did it this and now I want to do this times 10. Not everybody wants that. So uh, on today's show, I have Rachel Richards and she is, like I said, a 27-year-old former financial advisor. And she's made a name for herself in the personal finance realm. In 2009, Rachel quit her job and retired with over $10,000 per month in passive income. She's a best-selling author, author of uh, Money Honey and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement. Two different books. Money Honey was her first book, and then Passive Income Aggressive Retirement is her second most recent book. Uh, Rachel uh, is also a real estate investor with, she has 38 units and she's actually stopped actively investing. So she's really a former real estate investor with 38 units. Uh, her valuable money lessons have helped thousands of millennials work their way out of financial despair. And she has successfully done that the way that no one's done it before. She's made the topic of money management fun entertaining and simple. She loves to talk to people about money management and how to create these passive income streams so that you can be financial free. And like I said, she's 27 years old, guys. At 27, I thought I knew what was going on, but I really didn't. And and she really, really does. So I'm excited to have her on the show today. She's inspirational. Uh, a lot of us dream of creating this passive income and retiring, and she's done it in her 20s. So without any further ado, guys, I give you Rachel Richards. 
All right, Rachel, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you agreeing to do this. Yes, thanks so much, Mike, for having me. I'm excited. Definitely. So this is going to be fun. I love um, talking to investors. Obviously, that's something we do here on the show all the time. Um, but I don't know. There's something. There's a part of me that I've had a few uh, people on that are investors and in success and and done great things, and they're still in their 20s. And I, I find that particularly um, impressive because I've been through my 20s and my 30s and most of my 40s. And I know in my 20s, as much as I thought I had my stuff together and that I was really on top of the world. I just didn't get as much done as I really thought I was getting done. I kind of treaded water in my 20s, and I and I think that that's an easy thing to do if you don't pay attention to what's happening. So I, I'm really excited to have someone on who literally is getting things done in their 20s, and that's that's an awesome thing. And uh, there's a lot of distractions. So I want to hear about how all that happened. And but before that, let's just let's dial back. We don't have to go back too far with you, but let's go back after high school and kind of like, what did you do? What was your career path? What did you think your life was going to look like before you got to real estate? And then why real estate? How did that even come onto your radar? Yeah, I went so many different directions. So the first thing I did after college was I was a former, I was a financial advisor and I had sales experience. So I sold Cutco cutlery. Have you heard of Cutco knives? I, I have. I had a nephew <laughs> okay. that sold them as well. So. Yes. Yeah. So that's how I paid my way through school. Awesome. And I, so I had this combination of sales and this passion for teaching people about finance, which is why I became a financial advisor. Um, but then it turned out that I wasn't passionate enough about cold calling people for, you know. Really? That's weird. Everyone's passionate yeah. about cold calling. It's right. everyone loves it. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So I, I didn't last long as a financial advisor. Um, I, I then went into real estate. I had always been interested in real estate investing. I was an avid reader. I knew I wanted to invest in real estate. So I worked with an investor for a while. Then I worked for an agent. But those were jobs that at the time I felt like I was wasting my time or that I was overqualified. Yeah. But in hindsight, sometimes you can connect the dots a lot better. And in hindsight, it's great that I did that because I got my real estate license. I got a lot of firsthand experience with investing and that gave me the confidence to be ready to do it on my own when right. I got to that point. Um, and then after that, I was a finance analyst. So I was in corporate finance and that was my most recent position until I quit my job last year. Oh, okay. You just quit it last year then. So most of your 20s or a good chunk of it you you did work in corporate or some kind of a you know more of a traditional route so yes. how, how do you think you got interested you said you've kind of always been always been interested in real estate but I, I still I'm going back to like I know the kinds of you know especially at your age you, you there was so much there was uh, you were inundated with a lot of things social media and all the the internet all these things that people didn't have several years ago what was it that that made real estate hit your radar do you think when you were a younger person well, my first memory of being excited to learn about money was in sixth grade. And I was in this summer camp and I remember all my friends were going down the water slides and playing. And I was sitting on the edge of this pool reading the Molly Fool's Guide for Teens, How to Have More Money Than Your Parents Ever Dreamed Of. And I, I just, I just remember light bulbs going off in my head. I was like, this is amazing. I'm, so, I'm like 11 years old. I was like, I can start to kind of learn about this stuff now and then be light years ahead of my peers. Yeah. Um, I also grew up in a really wealthy county and you know, all the people that I knew were going on luxurious vacations and doing really cool stuff. And my family, like we weren't even going out to eat. We were on a budget. Yeah. So I had this sense of not fitting in, which is not how you want to feel in middle school and high school. No. So I had a lot that was kind of motivating me to become financially independent and really be able to take care of myself in terms of money. 
um, I was reading a ton. I remember one of the first earlier books I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then of course, from there, I kept reading about real estate investing. And to me, real estate investing is one of the best tools for building long-term wealth. So that was from an early age, that was going to be my path to financial independence. Um, I bought with my husband, we bought our first duplex in 2017. So I was 20, I think I was 24 years old at the time. Okay. So the first thing is a duplex 2017. Where did you find it? So a couple questions. Here are the questions. Here are the big ones that I'm sure you get it. And I, I know the people listening. I, I kind of at this point, after doing this all the years, I know what they're thinking is, how did you find it? How'd you finance it? Yes. Okay. So I, at, at that time, I did have my real estate license and that put me at an advantage. I was looking at the MLS, which it's so saturated. It's so competitive, hard yeah. to find deals on the MLS, but I did have the advantage of having my own license. So that means when deals were popping up, I could be there within an hour to yeah. see it and make an offer. So I had a little bit of a time advantage, but the duplex specifically, it was, it was either expired or a canceled listing. And I saw it, it was in a great area in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where all of our rentals are. Mm. And I emailed the listing agent. I was like, Hey, what's the deal with this? Is this going to go back on the market? And she was like, yes, the seller is going to be doing some work. It's going to go back on in a few months. Okay. So I decided to basically stay in touch with her. Some people would maybe view this as being, as being, I don't know, pestering her or being annoying. But to me, I was like, I just want to stay top of mind. Yeah. And it's actually going to help this agent out if she knows she has a buyer ready to go. Yep. So I would email her once a month, call her and be like, hey, let me know when it's going to go back on. And then she did me the very generous service of telling me, hey, it's about to go back on the market in a few days. I wanted to see if you wanted to make an offer first. Wow. So that was amazing. Yeah. So that's how we got the deal. Um, now, we were investing in Louisville, Kentucky, very reasonable housing market, low cost of living. Uh, so the duplex was $100,000. Now, even in Louisville, Kentucky, that's a really good price. Yeah. So we had to come up with 20% down to to get a 30-year conventional mortgage. That's what mm -hmm. we did. So a lot of people ask me, well, where'd you come up with that 20 grand? Yep. Um, since both my husband and I had paid our way through school, neither of us graduated with debt. So I sold knives. He used his military benefits to pay for his school. Okay. And then we were both pretty reasonable with managing our money. We were pretty good savers. Um, from an early age, I was always trying to save 50% of my income. So even my first job out of college, I was making $32,000. I was saving 50% of that wow. and living very frugally. Yes, yes. very frugally. Um, I don't care where you are in the United States. That's, that's, a, that's, a, tight, that's a tight budget. Yeah, I'm impressed with my former self for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not like a trust fund baby. I've never made six figures in my life. I've just been really great about managing my debts and my savings. And so by 2017, by the time I was 24 years old, we both had 10 grand that we put in. And that nice. was where our initial down payment came from for the nice. duplex. Now, okay, so it costs 100,000, you put 20,000 down. I get that, I get where you got it, that's awesome. Did it need work? Yes. Okay. So the other great thing about this is that seller concessions, they're a little bit trickier to do these days with lenders and stuff. Yeah. But there was a time when you, you could do seller's concessions, meaning that the seller will give you cash at closing. Yeah. And now that's harder to do. And a lot of people frown on that or you can't do that. Yep. But one of the units was totally unlivable. Absolutely disgusting. Like we would need to gut it and re-renovate the entire thing. Yeah. And the floor was sunk so, so low. I forget how many inches down, <laughs> but we knew we were going to have to actually raise the, yeah. the foundation. So I... 
I somehow worked out with this seller for them to give me a seller concession for, I mean, over 10 grand. It was an enormous amount of money. So basically we, we didn't have to put any of our own money into the renovation. We just worked that out in, in the deal itself. Okay. So they gave us the money, we renovated it. The other side was already rented out. And then I think initially we were making about $500 in profit per month. Mm-hmm. Um, at least once we got that rent, you know, right, renovated. Right. And okay. now we're making closer to eight or $900. Okay. So that was, I was going to ask you if you guys kind of house hacked it and lived in one side, but it doesn't sound like it. It was one side was rented, you renovated the other side and then you rented that out. Now you say you're making 800 now. Did the original tenants and the half that was livable, did, have they since moved out? And you've re-rented? Yes. Okay. Yes, they've moved out. It was so under-rented. They were paying maybe 600 a month, but it, it should have been rented for 750 Okay. So just over time, and the area has been, become more and more popular, so we've just been able to raise rents over time. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So that's awesome. I love it. I love hearing like that that gritty, you know, you, you, you reached out about an expired or canceled listing, kind of stayed on it, that follow-up that people talk about in real estate that's so important and there's so mm-hmm. many aspects of follow-up. You followed up, you followed up, uh, you, you scraped you know, the money you had saved, that's awesome, and then came up with a creative solution to renovate it to make it ready to roll. So you know, I, I get so frustrated by people who say, oh, I just it doesn't work in my area or I don't have the down payment or I don't have money for renovations. It's like, just get creative. You know, there's ways that you can do this. And there's 203 yeah. loans and things like that where you can kind of roll some of that in. Depend- if you're going to live there, Sometimes you can do that. Um, that's awesome. So the first duplex, you're still working a full-time job at this point, right? Yes. So yeah. both my husband and I were working full-time 40, 50 hour weeks. We were looking for and managing our rentals on the weekends. And then I was writing my books in the evenings. And this okay. went on for about two solid years. We were like totally burnt out. But yeah, that's, you know, that brings me to a, a great point, Mike, is that I hate when entrepreneurs or investors are given the advice of, oh, just take a leap of faith and the net will appear. Yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> please don't do that. Okay. There's yeah. a way, if there's a will, there's a way you can do this in your free time on the weekends on the side and wait until you have enough money to at least offset some of your expenses before you go and quit your full-time job because the last thing you want to do is be operating from a place of panic and desperation yeah so definitely try to do it on the side for as long as you can totally and i think yeah i did the same thing i i did it on the side for a number of years nights weekends the whole thing and i think there's a difference too it's it's a really weird blanket statement to say take a leap of faith because are you talking to someone who's 35 has two kids a mortgage you know, and all this stuff, or are you talking to a 21 year old that lives in their parents' house still and doesn't even really, you know, has a, a minimum wage job? Like it's, they maybe could take a leap of faith. There's nothing to lose there. <laughs> um, but you have to be careful. I agree. I think doing it the safe way is so less, there's enough stress being an entrepreneur. You don't need to add this, like, if it doesn't work in three months, I'm going to have to move out of my house because I'm going to be broke. I love exactly. that. And you mentioned writing your books. I just finished writing a book as well. And I can tell you, it's, it, for me, it was difficult because I'm not, I don't like sitting down and writing. Um, did you write, did, did you write it yourself? It sounds like you did. I mean, in terms of like ghostwriter or anything like that, or did you just sit down and bang it out on the keyboard? Yeah, I wrote it myself. I've always been a strong writer. Um, it's funny because when I was a little kid, I wanted to become a famous novelist. And then as I grew older, I was like, oh, I need to do something practical that I can actually make money from. Um, so it's hilarious, the irony now. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah, when I first started writing my first book, Money, Honey, 
I, you know, all my friends and family had been coming to me for financial advice throughout high school and college. And I began to wonder, there's so much free content. Why aren't they learning? Why aren't they reading books? Then I had this aha moment because I realized, oh yeah, personal finance is boring. It's dull, it's complex, it's intimidating, and it's hard for a lot of people to learn about. Mm -hmm. So then I thought to myself, well, how can I take this book and make it, or this topic and make it sassy and fun and simple? And that's where the idea for my first book, Money Honey, came from. When I first started writing, it's almost like I had the book inside of me already and I just had to get it all out on the paper. So the words kind of came pouring out of me. Okay. Um, I did write it all myself. It took about nine months, but I did quit for a period of time halfway through because I was convinced that it was a complete piece of crap <laughs> and that it was going to be embarrassing if I went through with it. So I quit. Yeah. So, you know, really when I think about it, I probably could have written it in a four or five month period. Okay. What, what would the synopsis look like or what does it look like? What, what, what exactly? You said it's boring. Normally it's boring and complicated. How did you make it not boring and complicated? I just... And this is what I do in all of my platform and social media. I just try not to take myself too seriously. So, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes. I remember one time last year I had posted, I was like, hey guys, so I'm a finance guru and a best-selling author on finance. And I almost just overdrafted my checking account. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, totally silly stuff like that. Super embarrassing. But I'm just not afraid to admit when I am making mistakes and doing embarrassing things. Um, And in the book itself, I tell a ton of stories, anecdotes. I'm using hashtags that, you know, millennials and Gen Z use. So it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's great. Um, You're right. It can be a boring thing, but I think people who, whether you're writing a book or you're talking about real estate or advising people, it's fun to hear advice from Richard Branson, but I'm not sure if he's able to really relate to me. And I don't know if I can relate to him, but someone who's like doing it, you know, when it comes to real estate, you're doing it or or money management, like you're doing it and we all make mistakes, right? I guarantee that Richard Branson does dumb things. He just doesn't talk about it too much because it's not really on brand for him. But um, I think it's great. I think people listen to people that feel more real. So it's it's fantastic. But let's let's go back to your real estate for a minute. The the duplex, I get it. and And I know like, like the spoiler alert is you have like 36 units now or 36 doors. So how did you, what was the next step you took? Were you guys like this duplex thing was great. We're going to just dive into the next one. And I know that you just told me you used the money that you saved for the down payment on the first one. How did that second deal come along? How did you find it? And then where did you come up with money for that one? Yeah, it's a great question. So up until we bought the first duplex, this whole real estate investing thing had been sort of abstract. It was more like a hope than a reality. Once we got the duplex, then I was like, oh my gosh, I can see how this is going to work. And I got really excited. So I kind of even doubled down our efforts after that. Um, One really smart thing I did from the get-go is the fact that I had my real estate license. And it's not like I was trying to do that on purpose, but having the real estate license was brilliant because I was the buyer's agent on all of my deals. Mm -hmm. So immediately after closing on a deal, I would get a pretty significant check. Yeah. So I had the, the commission. I we kept saving the way we were saving before, mm-hmm. and we were now making the five hundred bucks a month in cash flow from the investment property. Right. So actually, we were able to save a significant amount pretty quickly, and that's what we did each time. We just kept saving money, and as you buy more and more units, the momentum just builds faster and faster, and you're able to save very aggressively. So yeah. everything we bought came from our savings. Okay. Um, 
Now the second property we bought, we, I also found on the MLS. So all of my properties, I've just been lucky. I found them on the MLS. All of them you found on the MLS. Yes. Wow. Which I know is so surprising because most investors don't have that much luck there. But again, I, I had a little bit of a time advantage. I remember for our most recent acquisition, it was a really, really large duplex that we ended up um, dividing up into more units. Okay. But I remember seeing it go on the market and I was there at the property literally 30 minutes later. Wow. And I, I could tell, I mean, you just, once you do these deals, you just know when you're ready to make an offer. And I was yeah. like, this is one of the best deals I've come across. So I made an offer there on the spot when I was standing in the property. And I know that there were like 10 other appointments that came right after me, but because I made that first offer, I got the deal. Oh, so wow. the, yeah. So just having the real estate license, it's helped me in multiple ways. And that's something I did well from the beginning. Okay. Well, let me ask you then. It sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you just on the MLS constantly searching for these deals or do you like a block at your day. Like I'm going to for three hours in the morning, I'm just on the MLS or how do you, how do you stay on top? How do you know when something comes on right away unless you're constantly on it? So I, w I did like a saved search and subscription. So okay. I set up all the filters that I wanted and then I had it email me because you can have it email you once a week or once a day, but I selected email me once it comes once yeah. it's listed, so right. once it goes live. Okay. So I would basically get these really timely emails saying, oh, this property just went online and I would check it out. Gotcha. So I always, I was always checking my email basically. Okay. So it's more of like monitoring your email than sitting on the MLS, just hitting refresh on your search or something. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So you get there fast, you get there early, hopefully first you make offers. Is there anything else you do to sweeten your offer other than make it competitive and make it fast? Do you waive contingencies? Do you do anything that put down huge down payments? I've heard of these kind of strategies on the MLS. Is there anything else you do to make it more attractive to the seller? No, and I think this might differ by market. Um, that when we we were investing actively, which was in 2017, 2018, it wasn't necessarily a seller's market. Okay. So it's oh, not okay. like we were in a ton of competition, <clears throat> right. and I had to figure out ways to sweeten the deal. Um, so we were pretty lucky in that regard. Got you. And so the implication there is that you're not actively investing now, or are you still actively investing? Yeah, no, we're not actively investing. Once we got to, I think we had thir we have 38 units now. Okay. We we got there in 2018. We're both still working full time, and okay. of course writing my books. So we got to this point where we just couldn't take anything else on, and we were also already making a ton of money from the rental income. So there wasn't a financial need. So we were like, let's take our foot off the brake for a little bit, and then we can always come back to it later. Right. And then we really actually haven't invested since then, and I don't think we will acquire anything else. Okay, fair enough, and I love it. You know what I love about that, honestly, like there's in this world of like more, 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 and I interview a lot of investors like. Like, I have 38 units and I want a thousand of them and in the next five years. Like, I think it's refreshing to go, no, this is what we set out to do. We did it. Now let's move our attention to something else. Are you self-managing these properties or do you have property management? We've done both. I'm, I'm glad you asked, Mike, because there's a pretty funny story that I, I'll have to share, but it was not funny at the time, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. um, but we started self-managing for as long as we possibly could until we just couldn't handle it anymore. We hired, we started off by wanting to just hire an individual to save ourselves a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, I hired a real estate agent and it just wasn't her priority. We weren't paying her enough for her to take it seriously. So yeah. that's, I get that. So we, that didn't work out. Then we, there was this couple that had been working for us for over 
over a year, super reliable couple. They had been doing a lot of the cleaning, maintenance. They really cared about the tenants. And Mm -hmm. I mean, these are the hardest working people I had ever met. They went above and beyond anytime we asked them to do anything. So, you know, Andrew and I were like, well, what if we offer the position to them and we can make them employees? So we kind of felt it out. They were super excited, super on board. And we were like, okay, great. So let's do this. So it went well at first. And then fast forward to about six months later, uh, my husband went to collect rent from the lockboxes on site at some of our properties one Saturday morning and noticed that there was a lot of rent missing and not mm. just the normal, you know, late tenants or, right. or whatever. There was a lot of rent missing. So of course we try to call this couple, they're not answering, they're MIA. Yeah, so it turns out that they stole about $6,000 of rent that weekend and just totally left and disappeared. And we later found out that they actually had went on drugs and had been squatting in vacant rooms on our properties for over a year. Wow. So they were getting free rent and free utilities and free Wi-Fi. We were paying them payroll and they were skimming from the top as well. Wow. So yeah, they made out pretty well and there's a warrant out for their arrest now. Oh, wow. Um, All right. So I share that story because it's just such a silly mistake to me now in hindsight, because that's just the perfect example of don't be cheap on this stuff, you know, hire the property management company that's doing the stuff the right way. Because if we had a property management company that was licensed and bonded and insured, and one of their employees did that, they would have been liable, not us. And instead we were out 20 grand. So I say that to just kind of own up to it, but hopefully somebody else will learn from my mistakes. Um, And now we're in the process of interviewing property management companies. Okay, gotcha. So this is fresh. Um, uh, you know, it sounds to me though, it, it feels a little bit more like you thought you had like a somebody with good work ethic and you were, I'm just, maybe I'm putting words into your mouth here or extrapolating too much, but it sounds like you thought these were good people and you thought this would be great. We can help each other. Like yeah. we can pay them and and we can give them another opportunity to, to earn money and, and help us in a way. So I get it. It sounds like it was a little bit more of a thoughtful thing. That I guess looking back in hindsight, it's like, well, maybe that was a bad idea, but I don't know. I think your heart was in the right place. It just didn't work yeah, out so well. Yeah. So. Well, I appreciate that. That's kind of you. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it felt when you were telling me, because I've been in those situations yeah. too. And I, and I know it's tough and it's, it's tempting though. It's like, they know us, they know the properties, they seem mm-hmm. very hardworking. Like, how could this go wrong? And then, you know, human nature, I guess. I just thought it was funny. You said they took six, th- that's not funny, but it's interesting. They took <laughs> 6,000 and left. It's like, how far does anybody think they're going to get on six? Like, it's not like they, they they got a million dollars from you and they're going to go live in, you know, Mexico for the rest of their life. Like $6,000 is not going to get you past a couple of months in most cases. I know. Cases, I was so. like, okay, have fun in Florida for a month. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you mentioned drugs. Now all logic goes out the window, right? Because that's for obviously sure. what was fueling it for them. So during that time when you're going from like, you know, you have your first couple of deals and you're scaling up to, like you said, 38 um, units now, a couple of questions, I guess, are all of them single family homes or are they uh, duplexes? Obviously you bought duplexes. Are they all like small multifamily or are they, some of them single family? What's the mix look like? Yeah. So it's quite a mix. We have six properties, two are single family 
Um, one is a duplex, and then three of them are like 11, 12 unit oh. apartment style buildings. Okay. Okay, cool. So then you have some economies of scale and one roof and all those kind of things. So that's that's nice. Um, so, so you bought these within a couple of years of each other. Like all of these happen within a couple of years, and then you scaled up. I don't think you keep it a secret because I've seen, I, I, like I told you before we started recording, I, I stalk all of my guests to try to know as much as I can. <laughs> um, but you, you got to a point where you had $10,000 in passive income from your rentals and things. And then that's where you guys wanted to be. And you sort of cut it out. You stopped there. You said you, you're not actively investing. So I love right. that. Like, you know, you're 27 years old. Uh, you've got $10,000 of passive income and you've effectively retired. You can do what you want. You can write books. You can do whatever. What What are you doing now? Like, okay, so you're not actively buying rentals. Is your husband still working full-time? Is he... So yeah, job. he's um he doesn't need to, but he loves his career. It's yeah. something he's really passionate about. So it's more of he's doing it because he wants to. Okay. Um, but he might eventually. We'll see what he does. But yeah. Cool. Pretty happy there. But what yeah. a what a great scenario though, right? Like he's working because he wants to. He likes it, right? Who can say yeah, that? Yeah, it, it really people. changes your mindset when you can approach it that way. Yeah. Um, and and to something you said earlier, for us, real estate is really more. It was a means to an end, yep. and that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, I am. I, I'm passionate about real estate investing for what it can do for people, but I'm not passionate about spending the time on that itself. You know, I never wanted to quit my job to become a full-time landlord. Yeah. I don't think most people do. So for us, it was like, let's build passive income enough so that we can become financially independent and then really have a lot more freedom and flexibility over our lives. Yeah. So that's what we did. And that's why we stopped acquiring is because we don't have these big crazy goals. We don't need to grow any more than that. We just want to get to a certain point so that we can then kind of enjoy our freedoms and then do what we're passionate about and what fulfills us. Okay. And I want to talk about that. But before we do, let's talk about passive income, aggressive retirement, What that your second book, your most recent book. Yes. What is that one about and why did you write it? So I wrote it because passive income to me has become really this big buzzword in recent years. And once I started approaching my retirement and quitting my job and having this $10,000 a month stream of income, people were really interested. And I, I had a platform from my first book. So people were following my story. I was getting a ton of questions. So I saw there was a need for this information. Mm -hmm. And I saw that there weren't a lot of books about passive income, or if there were, it was about like multi-level marketing and stuff like that, which right. is in my opinion, not passive income. Yeah. Um, but the way I define passive income, it's money that you earn with little to no ongoing effort. Now, is anything truly 100% passive? Maybe maybe portfolio income, but really no. I mean, you're still going to have to work on it a couple yeah. hours a week, a few hours a month. And some people would say, well, that's not passive. But in my opinion, it is, especially when you right. compare it to a 40-hour a week job. Yeah. So, you know, I had this epiphany that once your passive income exceeds your living expenses, you are retired, you're financially independent. Yep. And that's what we began going for with real estate investing. But I soon learned that there are tons of other passive income streams out there. Um, book royalties is one of them. My book business is relatively passive. So I became a little bit obsessed. I started researching, I started interviewing experts and I came up with 28 different passive income models. Oh, and wow. that's what I basically talk about in my book is how you can start creating any of these passive income models, nice. no matter your age, no matter your income, anyone can do it. Nice. I love that. So I'm going to ask you this too, because a lot of my listeners are landlords, but a lot of them are um, house flippers and wholesalers. Did you ever get tempted when you got into the real estate world to start flipping houses or wholesaling houses? And if not, why? 
So when I first had a real estate job and I was working with an investor and learning, he was doing almost all flipping. And I thought that was really cool. You know, the benefits of flipping are that you're making cash fast. Mm -hmm. You know, you can really build up your reserves pretty quickly. Um, But to me, I just love rental income because it wasn't about building up a ton of money quickly. For me, I wanted the passive income. I wanted the cash flow. But rental income, to me, it's kind of the holy grail. You have the positive cash flow. You have the equity buildup. You have the tax benefits. And sometimes you even have appreciation. So there's all these different benefits that go into it. So I just saw it as the best tool for building long-term wealth. And that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. And the the flipping, like you said, is active, right? It's not passive. So that's kind of the key there. Um, I, I love that. So What's next for you? You said you've got your your income, you've written a couple of books that are doing great. Like what is it you want to do next? What are you going to do with all the By the way, you've got like, you know, I don't know, conservatively you've got probably 60 years left to live. Like what are you going to do with the rest <laughs> of your life? I know we've gotten to this point where I feel like we've achieved so much and now we're like, wow, like we we can just kind of relax for a little bit. This is fun. We're really enjoying our life. We're hiking. We just moved to Colorado. So we're loving it here. Um, This year I'm focusing on creating online courses um, because I truly get so much fulfillment by teaching other people about financial literacy. So I won't ever stop. So I just launched my first online course about money management. And later this year, I'll probably launch my second one. But one of my big dreams is actually right writing a fiction novel. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was little. And now that I have the time and I don't have to make it about, you know, monetizing an income stream, it's something I might start doing as a hobby on the side. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, you can write several books. You can achieve that dream, right, of being uh, uh, the author that you wanted to be in terms of the, the... the fiction, the fiction books, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's cool. Is your husband just planning on working then? Is that he's just going to stick with it because he likes it and that's kind of the route he's going to go? Yeah, I think so. For okay. now, at least. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, good. Let's. What is the course that, you, that you're talking about? I know it's not open right now, but if people want to um, inquire when it does open, what is it called and what can they expect from it? So it goes along with my first book, Money Honey, and the subtitle for Money Honey is A Simple Seven-Step Guide for Getting Your Financial Bleep Together. You can say it. You can say it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So the course is called Get Your Financial Shit Together. Okay. And you can go on my website, moneyhoneyrachel.com, and you can find more info about it there. Awesome. Very cool. Well, listen, Rachel, I really appreciate you doing this. You're insanely impressive to me uh, and to anybody. I mean, the fact that you've gotten your shit together uh, at such a young age and you have built a, a model that gives you financial freedom where you can write books, have online courses and do all the things that you want to do. I just think it's fantastic. And I think it should be inspirational to everybody. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time and your expertise that you shared. Thank you so much, Mike. This was so fun. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Rachel's awesome. I love you know, 27 years old, retired, like former real... I mean, she's basically a former financial advisor and a former real estate investor. And those two careers overlapped, uh, but not entirely, right? So she's like a financial advisor. She started investing in real estate and just was able to full-on retire from both things and, and just does whatever she wants because she has plenty of income coming in to cover all of her needs and, and make her comfortable. Like, that's the dream. That's it. In a nutshell, that interview I just had with Rachel is what most people dream of. I just want financial freedom. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's exactly what she's doing. Now, is she making $5 million a year? No. 
She doesn't want to. She could have kept going. She, it took her two years to get where she was in, or is in real estate. She could do more of that, right? Anybody could. But she said, no, I got what I wanted. I'm financially free. I can do whatever I want. I'm happy. And that's I'm going to now focus on something else that I love and want to do. So could not be more inspirational. I think that's awesome. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, in what she did, like I said, she did it in just a couple of years. You can too. There's nothing stopping you. Nothing. Every excuse that comes into your head is bullcrap. It's not real. So get out there and do what she did. She told you how she did it. It was easy. I shouldn't say easy. It's simple. Anyone can do it. It just takes a little bit of dedication, a little bit of work, and a little bit of focus, and and you can do it too. So if that's what you want, get out there, guys, and just start. I say it all the time, but seriously, just start. She did it in two years. So can you. Go out there and make today the best day. All right. See you next time. Okay. You're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words. Now just start to the number five, five, four, four, so text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.